Hi, Jens here. Are you interested in innovation? This might be something for you too. Every Friday, I share the latest innovation articles, ideas, videos, books, podcasts, and more that I discovered during the week in my newsletter, Connect the Dots. If you subscribe, you will receive an email into your inbox every Friday. You can't find the newsletter anywhere else, so you have to subscribe if you want to receive it. Head over to jensheitland.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up. But now, let's get started with the podcast. I believe I've heard in this podcast actually the 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 the, the difference between some some of the of the previous um, uh, guests uh, talking about the difference of agile with capital A and agile with uh, with uh, uh, small A, right? Mm. And agile with small A will be what uh, what is in the in the mind of every of every executive. That has been reading it on business uh, reviews or on, uh, or that has been seeing how Facebook or how the the big tech corporations are eating the world. No, that have become the, the the mega giants. So what they mean, I believe, with that uh, small a agile is more entrepreneurial. Mm. I want to mm. be able to. I want us to be able to change faster, to adapt to reality faster, and I don't care how. Yeah. Well, they do care, but changing faster trumps everything else, right? It's it's a bit of a it's a bit of the the the, the essence of uh, agility. When I look it from my uh, from my lenses, I will say that agility with capital A is the capability to learn fast and to act on, on those learnings faster. Today's guest has an incredible career under his belt. He has worked in startups and large corporations. He is a business agility and product discovery coach. Please welcome to the show, Nast Mareo. Good morning, Nast. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Very good, Jens. Thank you very much for having me. Great to have you. Um, such a pity that we have been living in the same country, but we haven't met each other. Yes. <laughs> And now I'm back in Germany. <laughs> yes. You were you were with the fancy people on the capital, and I was uh, <laughs> with the real deal down in the in Juland. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cool. Before we go into innovation, your point of view of innovation, how you're coaching, how you work with business agility and a lot of other interesting topics, tell us a little bit about who are you? What is your story? Of course. Um, the question, who am I? I will start saying that I'm... Or I, I like to say that I am... I was a circus monkey and uh, turned into an agile coach. <laughs> uh, but that's mostly when I'm uh, when I'm in a big stage uh, just to to make people relate. No, I come from a, from an arts background and I started my career uh, as a poet and as a theater uh, practitioner. Um 
and afterwards I I decided to to switch uh, my journey. I wanted to change uh, what I, what I did in life, and then um, then I started my own company doing so soft skills training through my theater my theater background then started working with entrepreneurs with venture capital with lean startup uh, agile coaching and and lately more with, uh, with within the realm of agility product development and innovation that's the that's the the main journey it's been a, a broad uh, a broad uh, zigzag uh, but uh, but I, it's starting to make sense <laughs> <laughs> so if 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 you look at it from from a historical perspective what is the red thread that goes through through your story thanks Tom. that's uh, that's exactly what i was uh, missing the, to say in the in the story in the, in the telltale it's i will say that i started my career with the idea I started my poetry and my theater with the wish to inspire people and help them wake up to live a more humane and fulfilling life. Very much in this uh, dead poet society, you know, the dead poet, the, the yeah. dead poet circle. Um, spirit of carpe diem of uh, if we live in the moment if we live intense enough then then we'll not be uh, walking zombies and and we'll we'll live a much fairer and a much uh, fulfilling and and just uh, in a much much just uh, world no so that that was that was the 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 burning coal um, in my in my early days And I think that that's what's um, what has remained even today when I when I stepped into my coaching practices and in my uh, innovation work, my wish or my my northern star is to try to help people to be more present and be in in a, in a strong connection with who they are and with the context in which they are they're operating yeah if 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 you go back to the time where you have been in theater performing topics and then you decided to go into business what 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 was the story what what was the 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 one thing or the the moment that you decided no i want to do something completely different what's the story behind that Well, the the story was that I realized that it made me deeply unhappy to 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 perform it. It it basically played on my insecurities. Mm. Uh, you might have heard sometimes that uh, that some performers, some actors, uh, deal with deep stage fright. That was yeah. my case. <laughs> so I had chosen a career. I was touring around Europe, and I and I had a. Um, very very enriching experience because we were even uh, we were doing what's under called anthropological theater so we were doing interviews for example with survivors of the holocaust hmm. and um, 
and building afterwards a piece of art, trying to pay tribute to, to them. So, so it really gave me a lot of uh, unique experiences and, and, and exposed me to unique um, interactions. But then when I stepped in the stage, I, my demons of you're not good enough, you are, you're, just, uh, you're just faking it, this is not what, where, where you should go, it really was, um, was making me deeply unhappy. And I think that, uh, that in that realization, I, I said, I can do anything yeah. and I'll be happier as a carpenter, as a whatever. And then, then the, the next years were, were those uh, that, that time of tr- reinventing myself, working as a waitress in the in 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 a, in a in a big change hotel, working in room service, trying to figure out, and then realizing mm, I'm throwing my life through the toilet eight hours a day. I feel super unfulfilled, and I'm not saying that. You cannot be completely happy and uh, as as a as a waiter. Eh? I'm just saying that in my own experience, I it was it was uh, very unfulfilling. Mm. So so then I started on the evenings to build my own business with my best friend and started to to uh, yeah we, we started creating our own thing and and investing the evenings trying to to make something our own. And later on, that that was what hooked us up with the with the entrepreneurial world. No, that was a a great uh, great le- learning playground. Yeah. Then, in 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 one step of your career, you have been associate professor of entrepreneurship. Yes. How 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 did you did you end up in in that position? How did that happen? That was great. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I, I felt actually very. Um, very seen and, and very uh, fortunate to to get to that that position, no? Because uh, uh, the the journey was basically we started our own company. Then at that time we got the support of the university of the foundation of the University of Las Palmas, where I'm from, mm. and and we had a, a an entrepreneurship program that we were part of as our little company was part of that entrepreneurship program. And when we got out, uh, the organizers of that program started hiring us Mm. uh, to, to help the newbies and to help them, uh, to help them uh, figure out how to, how to give their first steps. Uh, A bit later, I joined a, a seed capital company that was looking into technologies in the university and tried or the the technological transfer office that thing in, in most universities have one of those so so we were looking into different technological transfer office and and investing uh, investing seed capital so that was a very interesting um, learning playground uh, that that I got the the big lack of of getting that um that position. Um, afterwards, I jump on the other side. I jump to a, to a, to an accelerator, Tetuan Valley, which is one of the was one of the first English speaking accelerators in definitely in Spain and probably in Europe. Uh, 
and and it was a very grunge uh, kind of uh, kind of place. We were in the valley, in the area of Tetuan of Madrid. That's a very a very yeah rough uh, rough area. And we were doing our programs with the real entrepreneurs. Uh, well, there were a lot of there were there were some corporate entrepreneurship initiatives. We were the the ones that always wore our orange t-shirts and um, and broken jeans and so on. And then and then at that time I was um, I was taking my MBA uh, while, while I was uh, working in that um, startup school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, taking my MBA, which was actually in my case, it was, it made a lot of sense because I came with zero uh, ex- experience on on the business side, and that business school was the one that um, that afterwards I told them, "Hey, I've been um, I I am a, an, a mentor for many for many companies in this uh, startup school. I have this experience with Seed Capital. I've been in uh, in." A startup bootcamp. I've been in. in a, I, I'm related with a lot of different um, uh, startup organizations. I believe I can. Uh, I can join as a as a as an entrepreneurship uh, professor. And then they gave me the they gave me the the chance, and it was it was great. Just one year after I finished my MBA, I was uh, I was teaching there. So that was uh, that was like yes from. Uh, <laughs> From theater, from the theater and the uh, and the and the room service uh, hallways to uh, it really felt like a like a <laughs> like a big uh, big step. So how how was it like? Was it in classroom teaching? I guess at that time, or how well, was it? it? Was actually I took my MBA online. Ah. So so it was a uh, the IE Business School is one of the of the pioneers in online education for uh, the higher uh, for the for the top ranking the top ranking uh, business schools so mm. so i took it already online and uh, and and then my my teaching was was also online so it was basically one day a week I'll, i will be giving classes and then the rest of the week was forum work with uh, with discussions on different cases and i was there also introducing a lot of agile and um, and scrum and and trying to make them understand the importance of iteration small teams cross functionality and so on so yeah i was about to double click on that so how 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 do you teach entrepreneurship i'm super interested in that because i've never had a class or anything like from an educational perspective to to learn entrepreneurship so I think the I think that the case the, the the case method is actually quite good for 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 getting the getting your bearings no on the on many uh, fields and entrepreneurship is probably one of them no it's a it's a low cost kind of way to engage in learning in deep learning loops and in broad learning loops without having to spend three years invested in uh, in a certain company or in a certain vertical that you started exploring and maybe it was uh, 
it was a, a, a wrong starting starting direction. No? Uh, so so with case studies mostly that's uh, that's what uh, what we did, and I think it's. Uh, Whatever possible, I, I always refer back to the to the startup boot camps, no, and the lean startup machines, and the and this uh, this weekend entrepreneurship events. I think they are quite powerful, not for the products. I think that the the end products of those sessions are usually relatively un. Uh, the, they they fail to impress me. Let's say most mostly, but what it doesn't what doesn't fail to impress me is how people get together and how people that starts with zero knowledge of entrepreneurship get to motivate themselves and to engage and to team up and to uh, iterate. So I think that this idea that Steve Blank Blank uh, repeats time and time again of uh, get out of the building test. Test, 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 test. I think it's a, it's the best way, or at least to teach students that that should be, um, that that should be in their DNA. No? Yeah, it's it's quite interesting because th- then you left that to to go more into uh, larger corporations, and and my experience, of course, coming from a large organization myself, is that especially that part which is test and iterate as fast as possible is not the norm in large corporation. So how, how, how do you, how do you, because you also go from teaching to coaching. What, what was, what was the, 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 the switch for you to, to get into, into coaching? So it was a, it was a, an accident, an accident, like everything in my life. <laughs> so I, I was just lucky to be there. <laughs> so. Um, but um, from the startup school, actually, that I that I mentioned before, uh, we got one client that was uh, an online university, not the one that I not not the one in which I taught, but um, but another online university that was growing like crazy. It became a scale up from a hundred employees to a thousand five hundred employees in five years, and. Uh, uh, Twenty thousand students. It was cr- bananas, uh, at least for the for the Spanish market of um, of mm-hmm. uh, uh, higher education. And then they the it was the the time of the craze of uh, lean startup. Yeah. So they wanted to create their own incubator, and they hired me to 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 create uh, their incubator. But the owner was was mental and when when we arrived to the to to create the innovate the, the incubator he said yeah i have already people to create the, the incubator what i want you is to do lean startup but in our company i want our company to do the lean startup thing which was actually something quite exciting no it was what uh, what eric reese was doing at the time he was yeah. transferring to to start to do a lot of uh, of lean startup experiments with larger corporations, and that at that time I started myself uh, <laughs> saving the difference <laughs> between Eric Ritz, uh, experience and mine. Um, but yeah, and I and I got the, the opportunity to to do a lot of um, uh, 
yeah, a lot of low-brow experiments uh, in in this large corporation, and this um, this owner was bananas about um, marketing. He was a salesman, mm. right? Mm. He he came from he started his career knocking on doors, right? Yeah. So that so so in in this company the heart of the company was the call center. Yeah. So so all the and and his office as a CEO was besides the marketing and the communication team. So mm. so there was a lot about how do we do A/B testing? How do we do how do, it, it was low brow in the sense that it wasn't very sophisticated. We were doing it very much uh, with. Um, with very archaic technologies and so on, but uh, but it was um, but it was definitely determined <laughs> to experiment and to get uh, uh, and to act on uh, on real data of activation and on real ba- data of behavior uh, of user behavior. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's cool. And that's the same with my with my with my latest my latest engagement. No, in the in the company that I'm working currently, mm. we have uh, we have an obsession about uh, about about play. No, uh, we're we're a big uh, toy company, and where there's always kids around, we're always playing, we're always uh, we're always exploring and and. And that was one of the beauties of um, of joining of joining the company was stepping in and seeing every week there are kids around there's uh, there are kids playing and there's no uh, there's no way well there's a lot of leeway to talk about innovation and talk about what are we trying to accomplish with the with this and this uh, toy but when the kid is in the room then. The lights are on. There's it's all no, about fun. There's no more faking it, right? It's <laughs> yeah, I love that, and then that's that's why this company is famous as well yeah. in in that topics. So I would I would like to go a little bit towards uh, your perspective of innovation, but then I would as well because having an expert around this topics like ag- agile and Scrum, because I it's like fashion words for a lot of people in business, and everyone thinks they know it is. I have no idea about it. Oh, at least I say I, I have at least not not much an idea, but I would like to dive into that later as well. Before we do that, what what's your view on innovation? What is innovation for you? I will say there innovation is problem solving. And it's also figuring out ways to solve whatever. No, as a new parent, I think that innovation that there are different uh, there are different types, very different types of innovation. I'm going to go back to the theater world. No, there is the innovation in which you completely try to reinvent the language and reinvent the the vessel in which you are communicated. So that will that could be the radical innovation of, of sorts. Uh, the incremental innovation, I'm, I'm used to use this framework no, of the incremental, 
innovation and radical innovation. But there's something also that is not just incremental, but essential innovation uh, that uh, that makes me think of uh, theater. No, I don't know if you've seen the the, the Japanese uh, the Japanese art of of no theater. No, they spend thirty years training. Uh, before they step in the stage. And it's a very codified uh, world. And your innovation is not to do more. So for example, I'm, I'm going to invent this completely. No, but let's say this gesture means mm. the mirror that opens. Mm. Um, and in my 30 years training to make this gesture and many others, uh, what I can... Uh, I can always do less, but never more. Yeah. So you innovate in you, you innovate in the in the in the nuances of your of your movement, in the in the hard detail of how of how is the 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 movement ingrained. So I think that there's also some innovation in that um, in that universe of the of the minute uh, nuances. Mm. It's not it radical innovation or, or or essential innovation doesn't have always to be that we reinvented the whole game. Yeah. What 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 is then essential innovation for you? Uh, I just made it up, so I'm. Uh, <laughs> so I think uh, if I were to follow that to follow that thread of um, the, the train of thought, will be to review whatever you're offering under the lens of how can we make more and deeper meaning out of it or how can we make it make more and deeper meaning for the people that is going to use it at the end. Mm. And that's something that probably it's, um, yeah, it, it, it can be radical, but sometimes... Sometimes it's about how we relate to the user, how we communicate with them, how we establish the nature of our relationship in this uh, in this communication and uh, in this communication process. No, there are many things that my energy, my my, my electricity provider. No, there there can be uh, there can be innovation that it's essential and meaningful just by letting me know how are you sourcing my energy how are you um, and, and how am, how am I able to interact with you in a way that it's not just paying the bills um, by right yeah I would like to dive deeper into that because before we started recording you, you talked about a little bit like the human element in, in a lot of things and how important that is to you so wh what is the human factor in innovation for you? Or is it is it needed? Is it important? Is it not? It's absolutely necessary for for me. It's essential again. Um, I think, and this I will come back to this point later, probably when we talk about uh, agility and, and team compositions. But I think that one of the big challenges that we face is that uh, that Taylorism and scientific management has been um, an effort toward, ha have been a philosophy that advocates for mechanicism, 
So corporations and and companies have been from business schools and from how, what is the paradigm that we adopt? It's very much making a huge machine, right? And and people accept the brains. You you probably, I'm sure you face this, uh, this, Words, no. You talk about the people that is the brains and the hands, right? Yeah. So, and and the brains are few, and the hands are many, right? In in mm-hmm. in, in in corporations. So, but that's been the the, the historic, no, of how how work has been uh, organized in the in the twentieth century. This, to me, implies a. Um, stupidification of the organization that it's it hurts me mm. it hurts me it it pains me to see that we are shutting down computation systems right it's like it, it, the whole organization it's like a cloud computing network it's a connected network of of uh, sentient uh, intelligent uh, intelligent nodes there's no non-intelligent node mm. when we tell people some people that they c- shouldn't think and that they shouldn't they shouldn't uh, uh, talk about this subject or this other subject then i believe that we're just cutting down and, and uh, cutting down our, our brain like saying don't, don't use that part of the brain don't don't use 60 uh, percent of your brain just that uh, that part is uh, that those sentient elements are not uh, are not uh, not relevant. So, so I, I think of organizations and, and of uh, human organizations more like an, a living organism and, and as a neural network. So, so innovation definitely. Of course, in neural networks, there are cognitive uh, specialists. No, there there are areas that are specialized in some kind of cognitive function, mm. but nevertheless. There, there, there is a complementary flow of information that uh, that this that this uh, cognitive uh, node will be able to use from another from another from another uh, server or from another uh, node. I'm, yeah, I told you, I'm, I'm a, I know this all these words from the point of view of a poet, not not of a not of a technician. So. Yeah, but I, I think there's so much truth in it. And I have, I mean, I've been working with inside and, and working with large corporations. I have seen it over and over again over my plus 20 years of, of, of my career that it's it's often like this. And funnily enough, back in Germany, there's there's a, there's a saying, there are a couple of jobs where you leave your brain at the door before you, when you enter. I don't know if that works in Danish or in, in other languages as well. But it's 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 super fitting into that, and you see that in these organizations, people are treated as well, like they have no brain. And it's, I think, like you said, it's 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 one of the most stupid things you can do, because especially especially in the time where we are in, like everyone has has the knowledge of the world on the fingertips, in your phone, wherever you, and you can educate yourself on whatever you want to do. If you take myself, I've never done a podcast before. And now you're now episode number 65. Um, yes, I'm maybe not the best podcaster, but I, it's it's at least decent that I have a couple of listeners. So everyone can learn a, a couple of things if you want to. And, and I think that's also then 
specifically from a management perspective, it's needed to integrate that because you, you will be much better off with your from a business perspective if you engage your employees, not just treat them like hands, like you you, you mm. said. So I will I will uh, also jump there on on the. That it has served a purpose. No, this 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 kind of jobs in which you park your brain at the door, it has served the purpose of mechanism. No, mm. you use people when you don't have the technology to to put a robot or or a machine. Then people is filling the gaps between two different specialized machines, mm. and it has served an economical purpose. No, it has it has served basically the growth the, the economical growth of the twenty on the twentieth century. But I also believe that it has meant a deep wound in human relationships to organizations. In a way, it really has. Uh, has meant the, the infantilization and the stupidification of the of the infantilization of the workforce. Mainly, if you tell people to park their brain under the door, then then they will do so. They, yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Uh, I, I I park my brain, and it's your responsibility, and it's your. I'm not paid for that. And you can see many people that that has learned that it's a bit like a high school student sometimes. You invite people to be more proactive, and you find that they, you you find yourself in a in a bit of a high school student kind of dynamic. Of am I the teacher here? Am I am I? Do I have to give you homework so you can? Uh, but but that's the that's the dynamic of uh, the, that's the dynamic that Taylorism and and that um, that organizations uh, organizations of park your brain at the door. Uh, have uh, have created and have exploited. On on the other hand, I think that um, as you say, we are we're moving towards a new space in in human uh, in in a, hum, a new human era, and the challenges we're facing are not going to we, we're we're going to disastrously fail catastrophically and terribly fail if we don't uh, if we don't re rekindle the word human yeah it's, it, it's so true going into agility so let's start high level what is agile <laughs> from a professional who knows it uh, for like super basic description what is agile and then then going from there as how you use that in 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 a company or how you can use it good i've i believe i've heard in this podcast actually the 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 the, the difference between some some of the of the previous um, uh, guests uh, talking about the difference of agile with capital a and agile with uh, with uh, uh, small a right then mm -hmm. agile with small a will be what uh, what is in the in the mind of every of every executive that has been reading it on <laughs> business uh, reviews or on uh, or that has been seeing how facebook or how the 
the big tech corporations are eating the world, no, it have become the, the, the mega giants. So what they mean, I believe, with that uh, small a agile is more entrepreneurial. Mm. I want to mm. be able to, I want us to be able to change faster, to adapt to reality faster, and I don't care how. Yeah. But they do care, but changing faster trumps everything else, right? It's it's a bit of a it's a bit of the the the, the essence of fragility. When I look it from my uh, from my lenses, I will say that agility with capital A is the capability to learn fast and to act on on those learnings faster to the capability of small teams to learn fast and act on those learnings faster um, if we go to the to the whole uh, in agile was a manifesto of uh, ways of working written in 2001 no and it, it has four principles or uh, four values and 12 principles and it's basically we want to um, we want to prioritize value creation and user interaction and adaptation to change over the mechanism plan-based uh, organization organizations. And then there's a that, and that's that's basically it. It gives you these twelve principles to understand uh, to understand some of the nuances of how can you approach it, but it's super open. And then underneath that, under that umbrella of Agile with capital A, there's different methods uh, or different work frameworks that can help you to materialize it, like Scrum or like uh, extreme programming. Then there, there's uh, there's different methods, but it, I don't think I don't think they are that important they started in the software world mm -hmm. but today i think we when we talk about agility we need to look at it much farther much broader from a holistic point of view uh, of thinking thinking how it relates uh, human-centered design um agile agile methodologies and um yeah, and the new paradigm of of integration of work of the workforce and motivation. Yeah, can you give an example of how you work in inside or with the team? Let's say there's a new team; they have a specific problem to solve. How 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 you establish that in in your current job as an example? Or how would you establish it? Like, how do you get agile um, as part of the team that they take it over and run uh, with it going forward? So I usually I usually sit and ask them how are you doing things because people people usually try to try to do the best they can and yeah. and there's intelligence in the way they have organized organized themselves. So of course there's always some legacy of yeah I learned to do it this way but, mm -hmm. but usually people uh, when when they are engaged in a in an endeavor that invites them to bring their whole heart to 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 put the, their whole heart to the table which is the the, the luxury case in which I, I am now um, 
people is trying to, to do their best. So I'm basically trying to figure out how to help them to shorten the loops, the, the learning loops, and, and trying to make them realize that if you're only interacting with that specialist once a month, then if something goes wrong, you have one month to get the input and another month to check if your conversation and your request for change um, was implemented. So, so I, I try to invite people to do a heavy investment at, at the beginning, to invest in the relationships, to figure out, okay, with whom do you need to, who do you need to, to, inter to interact more often? Who do you need to, to, to create? Who will make a difference if we have a closer interaction in the, in the short, in, in the, in the, in the short term? And then, um, and then let's invest in those relationships. Let's, let's pay, pay at the, at the beginning a heavy price of creating the relationship, creating the uh, synaptic connections. So then later on, if you want to go back and default to a month-long cadence of communication, at least you know that there's a there's a glue in which if something that you should learn happens, there's gonna be a communicate an informal communication before that month. Yeah. I love that because it's so simple. Um and it's I, I was just 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 thinking about how I was networking when I was in a large corporation and that if you do this well and when you work long enough in the in the organization, you know what will be in the news tomorrow, in the internal news, before it's 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 out there. And that's basically also nothing nothing else in a in a different system. Hmm. Yeah, and, and it's it it goes back to to the point that you said how important it is. It's not the processes. Of course, they are important, but it's more the relationships between humans inside an organization that, let's say, oil the process and make them smoother and help you to develop things. Yeah, in, because in at the end, at the end, the, the the large organizations and the and the the paradigm of mechanism that uh, that that we get in scientific management also uh, prompts a behavior that it's. This is my, this is what I'm responsible for. Period. Yeah. That's uh, that's uh, I, I do marketing. Don't ask me to take care of your technology, right? Yeah. Don't ask me to to take care of your costs after you launch or or whatever, right? Um, but what I try to invite them to invite people to to rethink is to. To look at it with a point of view of what I've been calling radical accountability, trying to invite the whole team to feel that they own and that mm -hmm. they <coughs> first that they own and then they are accountable. Of course, I don't want them to feel accountable for something that they don't feel ownership for, but uh, but I want them to feel that they own the whole thing. So usually also something that, that, I, that I do often is just to do a demo. To just get, but a demo with things on the table, a play date, right? And and let's put all the different pieces on the table and let's look at it and let's look at it with a with a critical eye and with uh, some critical thinking, and that usually 
works wonders. Very, very fast people mm. start to, to feel, oh, great. So I am uh, part of this, uh, I am part of this project or I am part of this initiative and, and it's a wholesome thing that we're delivering. Yeah. What, what, so, so that's then, if I understand you right, that's automatically as well breaking the silos between the different organizational units even, depending on what company it is. Yeah, but definitely departments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whenever, whenever possible. Uh, so sometimes uh, it's been different ways. No, but uh, but one of them is trying to invest heavily or figure out whether there are some areas that it makes sense to get together quick and to and to start to get them to start uh, interacting. The other one is making demos and make and helping them see and touch the different parts. The other part culturally is asking them to be inviting them to be candid but to be uh, unkind mm. at equal measures candid and kind so i want them to be super super um uh, honest but i don't want them to be performative yeah. about their feedback so i don't want them to be performative about how smart i am in the meeting in, so i so i i come up on top in this 15 people room. So so I call out also when 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 things are are performative and try to 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 not let it uh, let it be because that generates a psychological safety is only as strong as the people that feel more unsafe in the room. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm trying to be a a defender of that part or 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 trying to defend and to nurture the psychological safety of the person that feels more endangered in the world. Yeah. How important is having a coach supporting you doing that from your perspective? Uh, not, um, not, not important, actually. I think that having a... Having people in the team that believe in these things, it's actually the long-term solution. So my, my goal or, or my goal in the, in the organization or the way I've been approaching it has been less about, about me and less about being increasing the number of coaches available yeah, around yeah. the organization and more trying to seed a, seed initiatives of let's let's do a book club let's uh, do a and people have people have passions and, and and people want to to work on creating new and and better solutions so so i i don't know i i usually will say that it's not that important but at the same time sometimes it's uh, it it is no, I, I, I definitely see your point because the, the tricky thing is if, if you have never done it, you need someone who is basically guiding you the first time. And then you, let's say when you got affected, infected by the virus, then, then you, you want to do it yourself. So it's basically if, if you do the best job ever as a coach in your, in your case, in your organization, you're not needed anymore. And, and that's that's a fascinating way of thinking it as as well, as, because then the the organization is growing into into the the direction. 
Yeah, I'm getting a bit in a, in a dilemma here with, with, with your <laughs> question. No, because on one hand, I will, I'm, I'm, I'm aiming to that, to what you're saying. No, of, uh, I'm aiming to how can I see some of this, um, how, how can I see this, uh, initiatives that will leave or that will shape the culture of this organization and in a hundred years they, they, <laughs> there, there will still be something there will yeah. be there will still be some remnants of it right and and in that way you you cannot think uh, that you're going to be around in hundred years right yeah you have to think that uh, okay the only way or at least how, how I'm thinking is as you're saying how can I infect more people as you you have this goal of of um, in, of inspiring and empowering a, a million a million people not to to innovate no? so so how can i how can i infect more and inspire and empower more so that it's not nast's initiative yeah but it's your initiative after an interaction or after a couple of interactions, it's your goal. So I think yeah. a good coach will also drive you to figure it to figure out your your own to find your own burning coals. No? <laughs> Love that. I would like to transition now to, to to the last part of the podcast, which is a couple of questions that are slightly out of context. Um, starting with the first question is: If you can be part or run a project that is that is impacting every human being on earth, what project would you like to run and why would you run it? I, I will be part of... Um, I could choose and be successful on an instant. I will be part of a, a, regenerating the relationship of uh, of humans with uh, with uh, information and uh, and uh, political systems, actually. Uh, it's part of a paradigm shift. I think that there's a lot of uh, we are living in the tail end of a world in which uh, media has been very, very much uh, articulated or has been more and more articulated to cater to to interest groups, no, and to to different uh, different interest groups. And uh, and I think that uh, that uh, as I'm as I heard uh, Janis Varoufakis uh, say at some point, uh, uh, media should be a non-governmental intelligent enemy intelligent agency, right? And and and, <laughs> and that's that's a role that, that in a way we we have we have uh, lost uh, if it ever if it ever was. And I think that that's a, that's an opportunity that we might have today with. Uh, with the uh, with the with the new technologies to re-own uh, the way we relate to information and the way we um, the way we make 
we create transparency and we drive towards a more fair and, and, and just world. Great one. Where will you be in a year from now? And you can say that from personal life and or business life, whatever you want. In a year from now, I will, uh, I will probably be um, I will probably be uh, had my have my own uh, innovation uh, innovation consultancy within the the organization that I'm working now. Um, I'm, uh, that's something that I'm something that I've been uh, that I've been. Uh, uh, baking uh, or, or cooking and and, and I'm uh, and it can be a very exciting uh, a very exciting endeavor to to do Is that professionally or that relating to to the organization I'm now in but uh, also in a year from now I will probably be closer to to a larger network uh, in which um, in which or I will be integrated in a larger network in which we are acting on the desire that I told you that I told you before of uh, driving better innovation and in, in, in relationships with information and with citizenship mm. how do you keep yourself informed and and how do you build your knowledge so I, um, I listen to a lot of books. <coughs> I, I'm an audiobook fiend, so, so I'm, I'm listening to, to a lot, a lot of, uh, of uh, audiobooks uh, on organizations, innovation, social, um, social justice, uh, uh, feminism, uh, the social... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, and a lot of fiction as well. So, mm -hmm. so I read, uh, uh, I listen to to a lot of fiction. Uh, I I'm, I'm, I struggle a lot with written words. So I'm a, a slow reader. So, so that's something that I that I feel I felt very guilty until I <laughs> discovered the, the the magic of audiobooks. And then I I also consume a lot of. YouTube content on on uh, uh, social issues, political uh, pol political issues, and uh, and that's uh, that's also part of my hunger to intervene and to I think that that in the late in the last forty years there's been a a drive from the seventies from the collectivism to individualism no and today we live in a much more individualist society in which we think that we need to do everything by ourselves and on our own and that's something that uh, that I would like to get involved and and, and subvert no and change into a more ubuntu uh, ubuntu place no of who I am because we are and in a more collectivist uh, um, mindset Love it. So 
where can people find you? How can people reach out to you? So uh, in LinkedIn, I have my, my best behaved uh, way. So LinkedIn, Nas Marrero, LinkedIn dash uh, in dash Nas Marrero. Uh, that's uh, where I behave uh, the, the, the most. If you want to give me at my grunge to, to see me at my at my punk uh, political uh, enraged uh, self, you can go to Twitter at uh, Startup Jedi uh, uh, at Startup Jedi. So that's uh, that's where you can uh, find me. And if you want to to befriend uh, to befriend me, I usually only befriend uh, people that I've met in person, but then there. I shared someone on Facebook. Uh, I also get uh, get dirty politically. <laughs> yeah, we follow each other for a while, so I've seen some of that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thank you very much for taking the time, Nas. It was a pleasure talking to you, and and it's it's always super super interesting to listen to your stories and 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 your your perspectives. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jens. <laughs>